Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone. And we're back. The new Hollywood podcast is back after a brief hiatus. And we have... Oh, what? First off, my name is Gina Ray Ramos. And I'm Amanda Nduka. And this episode, honestly, guys, I think you're going to love it. Um, we yeah. have the star, one of the stars of ABC's hit series, Blackish, Tracy Ellis Ross. She's also icon. icon. She's also, uh, she's done shows like Girlfriends, like one of my all-time favorite shows. Um, high Note. High Note. And then she's also doing a the Daria spinoff, the Jody, which is exciting. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> which is really exciting because I love I mean I, I know a lot of us like well I don't know a lot of us sort of grew up <laughs> well me and you at least <laughs> so, <sorry. laughs> so and I'm sure a lot of people are familiar it's, it's, it's definitely like a pop culture yeah. show. it so. kind of has a cult following and yeah. could I be honest I wanted to say this during our conversation but I, I, I couldn't fit it in uh, because it was it was a such a great conversation yeah. there was so much I wanted to do but I think Jody on Daria is the only one with any sense. <laughs> like she's the only level-headed one, right? And she she barely got any like shine on the show. So, yeah. but Daria and Jane are in their own worlds, and they yeah. they kind of were like you know emo yeah. and whatever. But yeah. Jody was just like even-headed, yeah. you know, even-handed and like fair. What's that? Quinn, the sister. <laughs> Quinn was such trash. <laughs> So trash. She she was like the epitome of white girl like privilege. <laughs> um, but no. Uh, so Tracy recently nominated for an Emmy, and you know it's it was such a great conversation, y'all. Yeah, like it was. This is a great way to come back from our hiatus. Get y'all, all the girls, all hyped up for what we have to come. But Tracy is. I don't know. She's just she's just a gem, and I, yeah, we, we had so much fun. Like I said, we, we talk about a lot of stuff. Um, so without further ado, here's Tracy. Well, 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 Tracy. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us. You and your fabulous artwork in the background. Uh, thank Loving you very that. much. Thank you. Got an artwork <laughs> crystal like on my bookshelf. Let me tell you something. It's two layered now. Like, oh, oh, so there's like books behind books? Books on books on books. Can you see? Oh, I have that book. I see that book that you have. <laughs> the anti-racist book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've got lots. We've got lots of important books here. The Dutch House, Ta-Nehisi Coates. We've got um, right. How to Be an Anti-Racist, Less there you Unchained, go. Black is the Body, The New Jim Crow. The, I mean, yeah, these are all the things that have been pulled out over the hiatus pandemic. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tracy, 
I'm not trying to be rude. I want to make sure my phone is turned off. Oh yeah, I, I need to make sure mine is. See, mine wasn't. Mine wasn't so good. Good call. You reminded us. Uh, <laughs> Tracy, thank you so much for joining us. You know, you you're a busy gal. You yeah, fresh DNC, DNC hosting, doing fresh that DNC hosting. Are you doing just moving into politics? <laughs> you know, you go from the AM, AMAs to the DNC. That's that's yes. that's the natural progression, right? Yes. Isn't it AMA DNC? <laughs> it should be. It should be. How was that though? How was sort yeah. of being the captain of that of day two? It was really exciting. Um, I, you know, this is a very urgent moment, and I felt um, as scary as it is to sort of step into a different arena because politics is not my world. I'm very socially active and civically engaged, but politics is not, um, you know, that I frequent necessarily, and I'd never participated in the DNC. Um, it was like honor to be of service in that moment, to be a facilitator conversation and engagement and yeah. as a face that people know not in the capacity of politics um but as a natural progression in terms of the way that i voice it felt like a really important opportunity to reach uh, through the television into people's homes and to open up um a, a, a conversation about engagement and participation in this moment and why there's such magnitude to it yeah yeah, I thought it was. I don't think like, that's the right use of magnitude, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It is now. I, I did it with such conviction that I even yes, no. did, and then I was like, nope. No, you sold it. You sold it to me. <laughs> yeah. Magnitude. <laughs> um, I was gonna say, I, I mean, I obviously like, I, I, I found this. The did you guys want me to put these on? I'm so sorry. Should I? No, no you're. I think you're. I think you we're fine. Okay? Yeah, we. I hear you fine. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I was going to say that, like, I just liked how encouraging and inspiring everybody's words were during the convention. And I was thinking this is like a, this is just a nice sort of break from all the animosity that we've been seeing in politics so far. Um, so yeah, it was, a, it was, a, it was a good watch. Um, but Tracy, we at here at the new Hollywood podcast. Yeah. Like and by the way, you're our first our episode first after hiatus. We've been on hiatus for a while. Yeah. Welcome so. back. <laughs> Welcome back. Yeah, we took a little break. Um, but yeah, we're back. Um, and we're so happy to have you as yes, a, as the yeah, first one out of gate. <laughs> ask for another person better. But for obviously obviously we all know that you've come from a, a family that has been in showbiz. But for you, was that something that you always wanted to do as a young person? Is that something that you felt like you were going to fall into? And, and what were, was there ever a moment where you were like, because you have really great comedic timing, and it's something that I, I've always wished that I, mm. I also have. Is there, is, there, is there a moment that you sort of were like, hey, I'm, I'm actually a really funny person? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know that I'm that funny. I think I'm really silly, but um, you know, I sort of uh, my silliness and comedic ability was part of the way I defended my shyness growing up. Mm -hmm. I I was like I, I had this like big kind of personality and and I I loved to make people feel good. Like I'm just one of those people. Like I I, I was I thought it was my job for a long time. Now I've made it my money paying job 
and my career, but I actually felt like from an emotional like space, like I thought it was my job to like walk into a room and make everybody feel better. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So maybe role in my family or whatever those dynamics are. But so I was always that person and I'm very joyful at heart. Like it's my natural temperament. Um, and it just kind of evolved from there. The part that um, was fascinating, I didn't even realize I did this, but I always take on different voices and accents and characters and all that. And when I'm telling stories, because I think at the core, I'm a storyteller. Um, when I'm telling stories, I'm constantly doing all the different voices and sort of creating the feeling by making a different sound and whatever. And that's when it started to dawn on me that perhaps it was something I would want to do. But it didn't, it didn't go, it didn't happen until college. In high school, like I was, I thought it was wrong for them to make me do uh, a play. I was like, I'm too shy and it's not fair and I shouldn't have to be forced to be on a stage if I don't want to be on a stage. And now get me on a stage, get me a stage, you know? <laughs> um, and then just throughout your career, I, I mean, I like, I've just, I've, Girlfriends is one of my all time favorite, favorite, favorite shows. Iconic. It so it's coming happy. back. Yeah, I was so happy. You don't understand like that, that show <laughs> me and what I wanted to be with my, with my girlfriends. Part of the reason why I wanted to come to LA too. It was um, so iconic. Wait, but I have to ask you though. Joan, Tony, Meyer, Lynn. <laughs> Honestly, that's hard. That's really, really hard. You could be a little Tony, a little Joan. That's what I was saying. I, I feel like I, I could see myself in each one, even even my, I can see myself in each one of them, which, which was part of the reason why I love the show so much, you know? Um, but obviously you've had a really long career. Um, ha has there ever been a time where you felt that you needed to hide sort of your otherness or like extreme code switching, code switching to kind of conform and, make people, I guess, comfortable? Because I feel like as yeah. Black women, we do that a lot. Well, I think as women, that's also part of what society says our role is. And then particularly as a Black woman, um, sort of softening your edges or making sure that you are, I think anyone who isn't the very limited, teeny little uh, space that is, um, you know, given uh, if you are not a white man, mm -hmm. um, all of us, <laughs> are trying to figure out uh, how we're, you know, li emotional lifting of how we can be received the way we want to be received and effective in our communication and all of that. So yes, of course, I have done lots of pretzeling. I still have to remind myself um, that I, that's not my job, um, mm. sort of making other people comfortable. But at the same time, um, I do always take into account how can I be most effective? You know, um, and sometimes there are certain, you know, there's certain spaces and environments where um, the bigness of my personality, it's not that I become somebody else, but I want to sort of make sure that I'm using the right version of it, you know, and I do think about those things. Um, I think appropriateness is important, not at the expense of your own self and not at the expense of your identity, but in terms of navigating worlds and and finding your way so um i have many versions of code switching um in all different kinds of environments uh particularly around my hair uh there's a lot more freedom in that area now um but we're still fighting those battles um i'll tell you a fun one this is kind of funny uh all through mm -hmm. growing up we'll see how it goes yeah we'll see how it goes <laughs> with, my, with my lips on but 
for years in my early teen years, I tried to teach myself to smile so my top lip would go away because I thought my lips were too big. So mm. I, I'm going to try it because I could do it pretty seamlessly when I was younger, but. <laughs> oh, what? Wow. That's a hidden talent. That is a talent. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> but it is ridiculous, though. It is ridiculous. But yeah, so I, there are many of those versions. Those are some of the physical things, you know, yeah. in terms of my hair or thinking my lips were too big. But I've done so many versions of them in terms of how I communicate. Um, you know, it was always, for me, the biggest thing um, was putting forth that I was smart. Yeah. Like I really, there was a way that I taught myself to communicate, to be clear in my language, to know what I was saying before I was saying it um, so that I was never misunderstood and thought of as a dumb girl or any of those things. I also was an athlete growing up and I was really athletic and I'm very competitive. So I was, it was always really important. That whole thing of, you know, you throw like a girl, you run like a girl, any of those things I always pushed up against. There's, those are such dumb things. They're so ridiculous and so limiting in terms of our identities and, and discovering who we are as people. So yes, I have experienced all of those things and, and still continue to push up against the status quo in all areas of my life. I mean, you know, I did the Glamour Women of the Year speech about my mm. life is mine and being, um, now I'm 47, I don't know how old I was then, but um, a woman who's single and doesn't have children and that version of having to sort of pretzel yourself as if something's wrong with me that I have not um, found that version of what people imagine I should have found by now, blah, blah, blah. So all of those kinds of things absolutely come up and I love addressing them yeah. either in my work as a character I do some of that in how I um, inhabit Joan. I'm sorry, I just said Joan. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were just talking about Okay, because that, that was yeah. crazy. About girlfriend. In how I inhabit Bo Johnson. Yeah. Um, but also in the way I speak in the world, what I said, you know, those were my words that I said at the DNC. And those, the words that I found uh, for my 275 words that I had, it was really important to me that I showed up in a particular way and named a particular thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. You know, we had, uh, I, I, I keep on remembering our conversation with Don Porter, Amanda. I remember with like Don Porter and Natasha and um, Amber and how Don Porter says a lot of people of color and queer people and women wake up every morning picking which battles we're gonna fight that day. And I keep on remembering that. Has that, like, you, you, uh, Tracy, you said that, you know, you've been, you know, kind of still pushing up against, you know, this, uh, the dominant culture. Have, have you found it easier? Have you found it harder? Like, especially with the changing landscape. Yeah. I think what I, the reason I find it easier is because the older that I get, the more I become myself and the more I have a confidence in who that is, mm -hmm. you know? Um, I will say that I don't know what it's like when you're in a long-term, good, comfortable relationship that, that really does support you where you come home to someone or you have a, a particular, um, there's a given in terms of your support system, right? Mm. As a single person, I feel like I have to be very active about cultivating that and staying connected in those, in those spaces. It's not a given, right? So, um, I do still experience those things. And then I have to make an effort to reach out for the support to be reminded of my 
confidence in who I am and my comfortability in who I am and that I get to choose which places and when I'm going to fight those battles. You know, one of the things mm. a lot of times young girls ask, whether it's through Twitter or, you know, um, when there's calling in for uh, questions from people, like, what should a young girl do who's being um, bullied in whatever capacity around her hair? You know, should she fight to wear her hair that way? And one of the things, her natural way, and one of the things I always say is, if it isn't going to create another wound. So mm. um, I, I think we get to each move at our own pace around those things. Everything doesn't have, you don't have to fight every battle every day. You get to decide when you feel ready, you feel strong enough to withstand what might come back at you so that it's not going to make that wound bigger, you know? So I always say, start in the small spaces, start in the places where you are going towards the love, where you know you're going to be celebrated for who you are authentically. Get your courage, wear your, your floaties until you can take them off and withstand what this crazy world out here might throw in your direction, you know? I, I think that's really important that you said that because I feel like, like especially now with social media, people are expected or put expectations on you. Like because you're a certain person or you fit in this category, you should be doing this or you should be standing up for that. And some people are more... I guess more vocal than others and, and, I, and like you said it's okay it's, it's all in your time like if you don't yes. want to this now because you don't feel comfortable and like you said you don't maybe i still have wounds from it yeah you don't have to, you don't have to do any like yeah also you know i feel like the other piece is that people um our culture also pushes people to say something before they've had time to process it yeah. You know? Yes. And I think that's a word. Yeah, like process. <laughs> there's no progress without process. And each of us has a different process. Mm -hmm. And I like to say, go as slow as the slowest parts of you so that when you make a move, you're bringing your whole self, yeah. not just the bits that are ready, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's like, like, if you think of a tennis game, or whatever. Yeah, tennis game. Let's think of a tennis game. <laughs> something with a net. Yeah, something with a net, two people in a bowl. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you're going back and forth. You're going to be at the level of the work, the person that's lower. Yeah. Mm. Otherwise, that ball's not going to keep going, you know? So sometimes you just got to slow down. And I think it's okay, you know? And I feel like particularly right now, we are in a very very unprecedented time. It is complex in so many ways. Yeah. It just feels like, and all the people that we love and don't know and do know, and everybody's having their different version of how to make sense of what's happening. It is yeah. a vulnerable time. It is a, del a time to be really delicate and compassionate with each other, mm -hmm. with ourselves. And so I don't think, you know, it's the re cancel culture is really interesting to me. It does yeah. not leave a lot of room for growth. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cancel culture is weird to me, to be know. honest with you. I, I, I will say some people do deserve it. And, and yeah. <laughs> like, a, like a Harvey Weinstein, like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There are some people who immediately fall into but the is category. is that cancel culture or is, or is that just like humanity like yeah yeah or is that just humanity because i feel like the cancel culture part of it that gets really complicated 
I, I don't know. You're totally right. There, there's people to read. <laughs> I, I was like, I was going to try and make sense of that, but you know what? No, there are people that should be canceled. Yeah, there, there are people who just should be canceled and that's it, you know? Yeah. Well, maybe not, don't not use the word cancel, but like, oh, we don't have time to fuck with you anymore. That kind of thing. Like, <laughs> like that's not, or, or you know what I mean? Like, that, that's yeah. Thing. Like, we can't, we, this, there, this yeah. is on no one but you, sir. Yeah. It should yes, be yes. There you go. Place. Like, it shouldn't be a thing where you're forcing people to, to do something. Yeah, but I hear you. I think, yeah. I think what I love, I heard somebody say this, instead of calling people out, call them in. Mm. Okay. Right? So you call them in, you give them an invitation to say, like you say, hey, that thing, not great. Not mm. great. And that perhaps opens the window for someone to say, wait, what wasn't great about it? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and then, and then there can actually be a dialogue. Yeah. Um, yeah. Instead of people just yelling at each other. Yeah. Because, and, and that's the thing that's really hard. Like, I think there's so, this is some hefty stuff for everybody because everybody has a personal relationship to this stuff. Yes. You know mm. what I mean? Like we all have our own personal stories about, and experiences about these things that we're charged up about. Right. So you gotta, not you gotta, but it would be nice if we could have a little more space in there yeah for I some mean, people yeah yes. <laughs> <laughs> um well, let's let's talk about blackish Shall you know the show the yeah. show you're on <laughs> this little show i'm on i love it let's talk about it first off congratulations on the yes congratulations on the emmy uh, emmy nom thank you um it, it's so exciting you know blackish you know when it first like when you first signed on to blackish how i mean i read the uh, an la times article with you but you know and how you approach rainbow uh and bow but what were the conversations you had when you first started and how did you want her to kind of subvert the typical tv mom especially a a, a black tv mom you know yeah uh, there there's a distinction it's interesting i think when i first started most of the conversations um were about what was so intriguing to me about this show and this character, which still remain true, which I think is really exciting seven years later. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, I loved that at the core of this show, that the heart of this show was a relationship between a husband and wife that loved each other and liked each other. That to me felt revolutionary, particularly through the face and beingness of a black couple. I love that this was an American family who didn't happen to be black. We were black. Yeah. We are black. Um, so that it wasn't that we were, that was sort of the background of who we were. It was at the forefront of who we were and our experiences and how we were navigating the world. Um, I love that this was a woman who was more than one thing. And that's part of I keep itching, you guys. I'm covered in mosquitoes. It's like, <laughs> wait, <laughs> where, where, from in your, they, are, where were you are somewhere? You not experiencing what me and all my friends are experiencing. I'm not joking you, like between five and 7 p.m. It's like crazy. Yeah, I get random mosquito bites too. And I'm like, where are these mosquitoes even coming from? Oh, I killed one the other day and I was very oh, upset about wait. it. No, I'm, I'm not getting them. I feel left I, out. <laughs> no, don't feel left out. I have. A, a, a couple of my windows that give the best cross ventilation don't have fans. They don't have uh, oh, sorry, screens, screens, yeah. Screens in them. And so if I leave them open between five and seven, 
It's so disturbing. And I'm not joking you. I'm covered in mosquito bites. My ankles. Oh my God. And mosquitoes Ugh. love me and my family members. We are like, we got some sweet blood, sweet blood. <laughs> I do too. So the other thing that started to become conversations um, and dialogues, not necessarily within the show, but for me, was this story is told through Dre's eyes. That's what Blackish is. It's Dre's exploration of life in this family. And I think Bo kind of acts like a guide for the audience to a certain mm -hmm. extent. I'm a little bit the, co the, the compass, no, the, the conscience of the, the audience mm. a little bit. Um, and so the stories are not always told through Bo's point of view. So what was really important to me is that my character remained her own person, that my entire identity or Bo's entire identity was not in, in context to Dre or in context of her children, but was in context of herself. So she had a point of view that was based on her lived experience and her life and that whenever I made my way onto the screen, that you would be able to feel my full life and not just how I'm reacting to my husband. Mm -hmm. um, and so that has been a constant um, sort of um, process for me, which is just the part of, that's what I do, that's what you do as a character, you know, uh, the acting process is that sort of, how do you keep keeping her true, keeping her honest? Mm -hmm. um, and then as you know, because some of the fun things that people pick up on, because I say, and we made a joke about it at work, is that these things that are traditionally lady chores in the, yeah. in the history of television, God bless you. Bless you. Uh, <laughs> are, you know, they are not lady chores, they're just chores, they're house chores. Yeah. Somehow in the history and the context of television um, and in, you know, societal norms, those things were considered women's chores. And so I mm. constantly am kind of pushing up against that to say, is that really necessary? Because I like to take the bird's eye view and look at Bo, not just on our show, but in the context of television. Yeah. As a black woman, I like to look at it from that standpoint. What are we actually, what's the representation that we are adding into the picture of who we can be? Yeah. I also mm -hmm. love that Bo is, Bo and Dre are these flawed, ridiculous parents <laughs> <laughs> who are like trying to do their best, but not always doing, like even though they know better, sometimes they don't do better and like, that that's what's happening. And we are sort of pulling apart those, the cleavers, you know, mm. as if a mother needs to do it all, look great, have dinner on the table and satisfy her husband with a smile all the time, you know, <laughs> like that that's not the reality of a reflection of who we are in our world, that every relationship is a negotiation who each of mm. us to be with each other, how we want to be parents. That's something that you do in a relationship, you discover that. And Bo and Dre, over the six years, have discovered that. And I feel like they are a couple, like, it's so funny, because it's not even, they're just a thing now. That's not me, it's not Anthony, but it's a thing. They're, they're people, it's really interesting. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned, you know, the, the, the chore part, because, Binging, if you go back and watch old episodes of series, like if you go back and watch, say, Beverly Hills 90210, Cindy Walsh is always cooking. She's always cleaning, gardening. And then, and then the episodes they give her are so boring. So I was like, really and I'm re But you even look at like girlfriends. 
There mm -hmm. were some, uh, I just randomly caught a scene on Instagram the other day and it was um, Maya and Darnell and she was, uh, she went and spent too much money on a dress mm -hmm. and it was this whole thing that was within the context of the old school version of man must bring money mm -hmm. and yeah. woman must um, cook and clean, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was really interesting because even in these 20 years, there's been so much progression in that kind of assumption and thinking. Um, it's fun to think about. And I love yeah. thinking about it as I create character. It's really yeah. fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm currently re-watching Moesha and D. Okay. <laughs> love you for that. Love you so much for that. But you, I, I'm like really examining D, Shirley Rout. And I'm like, oh, she's a stepmom. But like, she's doing like typical, you know, cooking in the morning and everything, but she's also, she balances that so well. Like she's this matriarch who you really can't fuck with in this interesting way. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's like, I've been really, been, and I'm, I'm like, I'm like, oh, I have problems with Moesha, the character. I'm like, oh, you, you know, are very really, disrespectful. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. It's so interesting <laughs> when you look back at things that were so much a part of your life. And then you look back years later with the, you know, the point of view that we're in now. Mm. Oh, wow. I really didn't see that. That was one of the reasons. I don't know if you guys have watched Disclosure. Yes. Mm. But I was so grateful for that documentary. Me too. Well, I, I was, there were a couple of things that were so, I mean, there were so many things that were important. But the fact that it was a trans people communicating through their own mouths there wasn't a narrator telling us what was happening we were hearing it through their own mouths i found so enlightening and i could not believe how often i had missed yeah. so much of what they pointed out in movies and television shows that i had watched and that i had laughed at i it was a real important wake-up call um and i hope to be and consider myself um open-hearted and very liberated in how i look at things mm -hmm. and that i miss those i was so grateful to be tapped on the shoulder yeah and and woken up in those ways and that's one of the that's it that's actually the greatest example of what we were just talking about yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, we had disclosure on um, our podcast, like uh, the, the the filmmaking team, and I think I love, you know, I'm, you know, love going to other, you know, sources of TV, film that aren't of me and learning something. And you know, uh, unfortunately, a lot of people aren't like that. And I think shows like Blackish or Disclosure, the movie Disclosure, or even like something like Fresh Off the Boat or anything like that addresses blind spots and we have i still have lots of them and yeah. i i, I continue it's built into humanity yeah. that's why we want inclusive tables <laughs> yes right we do people. that's why tokenism doesn't work that's yeah. why we need <laughs> tables that are filled with all different kinds of people that's why our world needs to reflect that because we all have blind spots but yeah. what I would mm. love, and everybody's different version of privilege gives you a blind spot, whatever those things are. But I would love somebody to tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, Tracy, yeah. did you realize that thing you said? Like, oh my God, no, I didn't. Thank you for telling me. Yeah. 
you. And yeah, exactly. Can you, can you explain that a little more so I know and don't do it again? And so I can catch somebody else when they do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I wish someone would go, you know, someone on the, the other day on Instagram, I wrote ladies and gents or something like that. And someone said, that's not, don't do that. And I was like, my God, thank you. Yeah. yeah. I did not I, I didn't, it didn't, it just, you know, some of the things we're so used to doing from my generation or whatever that is that I don't realize. And I was like, oh my God, thank you. And I changed it right away. I was like, thank you for pointing that out. It's, it's yeah. I, yeah. People get offended by like somebody correcting you. Like I, I feel like it's people, people think that it's a, it's, there's something negative or combative to being corrected. Well, sometimes yeah. people correct you in really negative combative. Yeah. That's true. But it's like, if they, if they like pull you aside and be all, hey, this is not cool. I respond better to that rather than they're like, oh, you should like kind of finger wagging. I don't like the finger wagging. Well, yeah. I think that's part of what, that's where cancel culture gets complicated. Yeah. So and it all comes back. <laughs> yes, it does. So like if someone had taken my caption and then screenshotted that and turned it into a thing before giving me an opportunity to learn something yeah. and then all of a sudden I'm canceled. I mean, that's like a weird example because I think- Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's true, it's true. Like that's but, what but it's like, you want to give people the opportunity to see their blind spot. Now, if someone responds like, that's not what I meant. <laughs> like, okay, like, like, you know, yeah. but I, I personally, and I say this, like, I, I would like to know if I am hurting someone inadvertently. Yeah. I mm -hmm. want to know that if anything I am doing is inadvertently perpetuating oppression or um, a stereotype or whatever, like, I would love to know and then be able to make an educated choice about how I want to respond. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, um, you know, uh, really recently, yes. That's what we do. We're, we're, that's what we do here. We make dreams come true and we have great conversations. Um, <laughs> well, no, it, it's so interesting you said ladies and gents, that thing, like when, when I introduce this podcast sometimes, I say, hello, ladies and gentlemen. And then I listen back at it and I'm all, I shouldn't have said that, you know? But it's also, in, it's all programmed into us to say it's, that, yeah. It is, and, and we've learned things a certain way and it does take time to unlearn them. And by the way, hello, ladies and gentlemen, from when I learned it was actually the courteous and, mm. um, and, right. and a, a, yeah. a correct thing to yeah. say. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, that's fine. I'm like, look, I, I, I would like to remain teachable. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I truly that, would. Being open. Yeah. yeah. Well, like speaking of that, you know, Hulu recently added that episode. All the girls are talking about it. <laughs> please, baby, please. Which is relevant now, if not more so, you know, th than then. It's It just feels like it could have been shot yesterday, to be honest Isn't with you. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. yeah. Three but when you first... Yeah, three years ago, uh, when you first read that episode, what was your reaction? And are you like, this is kind of like a, a multi-tiered question that you could just answer in one clump, but when, what was your reaction when reading it? And at the same time, when they decided to shelve it and when they decided to bring it back, you know, because that show went on a journey. Yeah, and, sure you know, did. Yeah. <laughs> um, First of all, you know, we do 24 episodes a season, so we're moving at a pace that it doesn't always dawn on me the magnitude. 
<laughs> there you go. There we go. Come on, magnitude. That's the correct usage. It doesn't, it doesn't always dawn on me the magnitude of what we're doing or the, um, the gravitas that we are sort of leaning into. Do you know what I mean? When we're shooting an episode, because we're kind of doing what we're doing. And the truth is the episode itself didn't feel so far from the DNA of our show. In hindsight, as in today, not when it got shelved, um, I heard Kenya say, and he spoke so articulately about it, um, that it was one of the most partisan episodes we had done on Blackish. That usually our, you know, when we're dealing with these heavier topics, we don't necessarily pick a side. Yeah. Um, and this one was particularly on a side. Um, and I think that played into the larger context of both what was happening in our world and what was happening with our network. Mm -hmm. um, there was a merger going on yeah. from what I understand. So I personally, at the time, because we were in the process of shooting, we had shot it and moved on to whatever we were shooting and there was more to do. I didn't invest myself in what had happened. It wasn't my battle to fight. It wasn't my episode to fight about. And it was, uh, it's very rare in my life that I go, that's none of my business. Mm -hmm. But I do think it was one of those times where I was like, you know what? This part is none of my business on this mm -hmm. one. It wasn't an episode, it wasn't my story. It was, you know, all those kinds of things. It wasn't something um, in terms of that. And I didn't really know the machinations of what was going on. Mm -hmm. um, now watching, and by the way, I had never seen it mm. until it just came out. Oh, really? Wow. I had never seen it. They shelved it. Mm. They shelved it and they took it away from everyone. They took it away. Like I had not seen it. It never ended up. We have an app that, you know, uh, in advance of the episode airing, it finally pops up. So we do usually get to see things like a week or two in advance. Mm -hmm. um, but it, I never had seen it. I had never seen it. And the truth is I couldn't remember what was, I mean, like I remembered it, but I couldn't remember like what, it, I was like, what was it? Was yeah. it a line? Was it a thing? Like I couldn't remember what it was. I was like, what could have triggered this so deeply? Um, watching it back, it is eerie. Mm. Three years ago, that's where we were. And also truly shows you the magnitude can't help it. <laughs> That's going into the headline of this just, podcast just, episode. Just call the podcast The Magnitude. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really shows you the urgency of this moment because it shows you within three years how much worse it's gotten, how mm. much more has been un, un, untangled, like tangled up or whatever. It's, it's that much worse, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so to a certain extent, I don't know. Maybe it's better it waited to to come. I don't. I have no idea. You know, sometimes yeah. you sometimes you trust the the process, even though it feels in the moment so not great. Yeah, you know? yeah. But interesting, and uh, what a what a strong and powerful episode. Uh, uh, I directed it, by the way. Kenya directed that. Oh, oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to wonder though, like if if it weren't for what's going on in our current, you know climate with, with what happened after George Floyd's killing and Black Lives Matter and the protest. I have to wonder, would they have ever showed that episode or? Yeah. Yeah. 
it, it is it, it's just so interesting that that show like you said it was watching it i was just like it was chilling and I was all, and at the end of it, I was all, they should have just titled that episode, I Told You So. <laughs> you should have done an AKA, I Told You So. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. Those are really good questions that um, I think are part of why it's interesting that it's back out. You know, those, those are that when you get, a, have a conversation with Kenya, those are really good ones to ask him. Okay. He has not only his own personal insight because he was the one walking through that experience. Um, but he also has a very uh, um, astute uh, point of view about the larger mm. picture of it and now the meaning that it holds. And I think it's part of what Kenya does in all of his work. You know, um, he is uh, interested in pushing those envelopes for conversation, yeah. not necessarily for answers, but for conversation, because I think so much of what we need to be doing is having, again, we're back to the same thing, but the, where cancel culture gets complicated is we need to be leaning in and calling each other in on these conversations um, in order for us to make progress. Um, I think it's important. Um, so obviously season seven is, is a coming. And then is a coming. Is a coming. <laughs> and I also season uh, two of Mixish is coming. We had Tika was on. Tika <laughs> was on. I love me some Tika. <laughs> um, but what can you tell us about these upcoming seasons? And and if you, I, I know, I don't know if you guys are filming or you're still on hiatus because of uh, the pandemic. But um, if there is a topic that you haven't covered yet um, that you really, really want to cover for 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 either one of the shows or even both. Well. Um, I can't disclose anything from Blackish. We are about to go into, we're in production. Okay. Um, so we've already had our table reads. I think we have an, another table read next week and we're about to start shooting and we've already been doing lots. Um, mm -hmm. But what I can say is our show is gonna keep being our show. <laughs> that's some broad strokes right there. Yeah, but not really because yeah. we know the stuff that's going on in our world and yeah. so, you know, um, there's there's a lot of really big things happening, and so we will, in blackish form, in the DNA that you know is what we've established that we are, we will walk in that direction. Mixedish, we will continue deepening and exploring these characters in the '80s um, in a way that wonderfully and creepily mirrors what we're in now. You know, um, there's something really the same way you say. You know, you go back and watch Moesha, and you're like, what? whoa you know what I mean like what I, I just took all this for it was what it was and now you're like what it's interesting to do a show where you're actually going back yeah. oh my god that's so true and to have Bo uh my version of Bo the grown-up Bo be from the current vantage point so that my voiceover is sort of you know yeah. telling the story yeah. today um, it's really interesting to do yeah. that, but I know the first couple of ep episodes are about um, sort of deepening their world, um, who they are, and, and us deepening our understanding and relationship to who these people are that we um, have only had one season of. You know, I think of second season of Blackish and how how long it takes to really fall into that group yeah. where 
everybody. You know, I, I remember on Girlfriends, Mara Brock Akil saying the first season of a show is all about retelling the same story over and over again from different points of view so that by the end of the season, the audience knows exactly who everybody is. Mm. They almost know what their point of view is going to be before they say it. Yeah. And so that's what Mixed Dish was in the first season. We were really like, who are they? Who are they? Let's tell it over and over again. And then we can start to deepen that um, yeah. as we move into season, season two. Yeah, I love how, like like you said, the show, it's set in the 80s and there are things that are, were done in the 80s that we wouldn't do now, but you explain it. Like your character, like you said, the boat, you explain mm. it. So I, I love how you we sort of get this education about why, you know, but both shows, why black hair is the way it is and our, our relationship with black hair and, and just different, different. Yeah, isn't that interesting? I thought that hair episode was incredible. I was going to say yeah. that there was a line, I was just looking back at some of the mixed episodes as we we're working on scripts now. And sometimes I revisit some of the old episodes to kind of remember exactly where we were and remember character traits and stuff. And I wrote down this line that, whoa, why can't I think of his name? The granddad. Oh, oh, uh, oh, oh. Gary, is his name Gary's room? Is it? Gary. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the actor's name. Gary yeah, Gatt. that's his real name. <laughs> I'm I'm lost for a second, but that's a okay. granddad. We'll just say granddad. Yeah, the granddad. The granddad. Um, it's the environment. The environmental episode where she goes through mm. and starts Earth Day, mm -hmm. and um, it was so crazy. He like opens up his styrofoam. Like styrofoam was like the big thing that year. Mm. You know, he has his sandwich, and um, uh. Alicia comes into the office and she's like, dude, you got to get rid of, I mean, she didn't say it like this, but like, dude, you got to get rid of the styrofoam. And he says this line, he says, are you seriously considering that we take this environmental stuff seriously? <laughs> oh my God. But, right? But like you think of the eighties and where we are now, are you seriously thinking that we take, like, are you seriously suggesting that we seriously take this shit seriously? And it's so, so there's something really interesting that happens in that because you realize where it led us and what mm -hmm. happened, you know? Um, yeah. So fun exploring that stuff on Mixed Dish. Yeah, I, I think Mixed Dish is like, I have a lot of mixed friends, especially a lot of half Filipino, half white friends. And one, one of my good friends struggles so much because she, she looks white, you know? And, uh, you know, people are like, even our own community aren't isn't accepting of her. It, it's kind of it's it, it's so like it, it's really damaging and it's really offensive because like one day I think it was the whole story about um, Shannon Sossaman being uh, getting to play this Filipina. Um, it was like some pilot or something like that, and immediately the Filipino community went after her, saying, "Oh, she does not look Filipino." Blah 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 blah. And my friend got like so upset about that. That she started crying and like she just shut down and so like i'm really just appreciative of like like i'm like oh if you have even a quarter filipino in you you're you're in you're you're in the club but there are some even even in the black community or the latinx yeah, community there there's a lot of that and i think it be, it comes from the systems of oppression that have yeah. been put in place that tell us we have to decide who we are and there's a thing there's like there's so much to it one of my best friends is, say again? I said, or if you look a certain way, there's a, we have a system that tells us if you look a certain way, then you can't be this, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah. there's a lot of limitation and oppression in those areas. Mm -hmm. One of my closest friends is half Filipino and she, people always say that, it, are she, they think she's Latina, they think she's um, a light-skinned black girl. There's like so, she, she's just like, 
<laughs> I mean, I mean, this is the result of colonization, like yeah, she colonialism. Like, she's like, I don't even answer the question anymore because yeah. it's yeah. just like too hard to like pe for people to understand and make sense of. But it's really interesting. I mean, all almost all of my friends are mixed. Um, my best friend is Lebanese and Trinidadian. Um, and it's so crazy because she looks like me mm. and her brother looks Lebanese. Mm. Um, I have a uh, Chinese and Italian, my best friend from college. That's still mm. my best friend. Um, and you know, it, it's so it, and, and one of the things for me, like with us in our friendship group, that's been so wonderful is we connect on the human level, but for me, the traditions, cultures, um, that all of us come from has so deepened and created such a robust, beautiful friendship of how we learn about each other. It's like my favorite mm. thing in the world. Yeah. You know, I mean, one of my favorite examples is both my best friend Monica, who's Chinese and Italian, and uh, Samira, Trinidadian Lebanese, they both take their shoes off at the door. And I didn't grow up taking yes. <laughs> right. So I didn't grow up taking my shoes off at the door but they both come at it from very different cultural spaces. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really exciting to me when I first became friends with them like 30, 20 years ago, I don't even know how long now, understanding where it came from and why and what the, what the meaning was there. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So interesting to me. And I'm always inquiring those areas. Amanda, you're trying to say something, sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say, and what you find, especially when you have friends that have such different backgrounds is that there's always some commonality like I, mm. you and I always go back and forth because we're both we're both first generation um, American from immigrant family, yeah. From immigrant families, and we talk about some of our experiences. Like, oh my gosh, my parents do that too. Like, it's like even though we grew up in different places, it's still like our our parents are still you know we, they come here, they they they're they're still kind of strict. <laughs> um, <laughs> WS. <laughs> a lot of things. <laughs> Amanda, so where's your family from? Nigeria. Nigeria. Yeah, yeah. Both your parents yeah. Nigerian? Both my parents, yeah. They both and did they meet here or did they meet there? No, they they met in Nigeria and then they moved here together. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like and then like the one thing I think there's a common bond with immigrant families or people of color or whatever is that they will use a tub, an empty tub of country crock to put in food. <laughs> Every single immigrant family, Black, Latinx, yeah. they will use the fuck out of any vessel that they okay, find. That is so funny. And then I, I I don't know if this moves across too, but that um, cooking grease is in a coffee can. Yeah. Oh my God, yes! Yeah. <laughs> I do that like when I deep fry anything, I'm like, I, I need to put deep, this something. I won't deep fry in my house for that exact reason. <laughs> Unless I, I know. <laughs> I'm traumatized by that coffee can. Yeah, and it actually really grows. It, it, it really freaks me out growing up. Because <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's like super dirty oil that has all this, but you still have to reuse it. My mom used to strain it. She'll be all, gotta strain it, yeah. make it sure. <laughs> and that's how I learned that you can't put hot oil down the sink. <laughs> yes, that's how I learned. That's Oh my God, see? That goes up. Now we have air fryers. Right? Because I literally, I was like, I remember the day. Like, I remember the day that I was like pouring the, the fried chicken grease down the thing. And my mom was like, no, 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 no. That's what the coffee can is. <laughs> I was like, what? Um, Coff coffee can grease. Uh, um, I remember that. Guys. I, I'm, I'm having so much fun.
I'm having so much fun. This conversation, I don't even know what we were supposed to be talking about. Yeah. We're, we're talking about your Emmy nomination. Okay, <laughs> um, But Tracy, um, obviously we, I mean, I guess we need to wrap it up soon. Can you- Yeah, sure. I feel like I've, I'm, is someone texting me telling me I have to get off here? We do this all day, but you know. Um, but we'll, we'll do a part two later. Okay, great. What's, what's, what's next for you? What do you, I know you, you're doing the Daria spinoff, which is- Oh my God. And I recently started re-binging that too. Oh, I actually, I did when I first um, took on that project, I, I did some binging, but I think I need to binge again before I move into actually recording my voice stuff. Um, but, you know, I'm very excited about Daria. Um, and I have, there's Mixed Dish, Daria, and then there's three other projects that I'm executive producing that you guys don't know about yet. Well, just tell us now. No, no, no. <laughs> um, you will hear about those when they're at a space and in a place that, that feels good. Um, Pattern is still rocking and, and really it's been exciting um, running that company and having nice. it evolve and all of that. And our styling products are out now and yeah. um, Ulta's stores are back open. So we're actually back in brick and mortar stores, but we're still obviously always available on patternbeauty.com. Mm -hmm. um, I think for me, the last year, two years has been about um, deepening my roots in creating content. Uh, that was so important to me for so long. And now I'm at a place in my career where I actually have the opportunity to do that, to be a part of creating narratives um, and pulling in all different kinds of talent and creating um, expansive stories that reflect our lives um, and reflect the wholeness of our lives, like the lived experience um, of our lives. And, and I'm really interested in that. And so there's three other projects that are brewing and I'm sure there'll be more from there. Um, and I really, most importantly, um, I think over the next three months, uh, or it's way less than that, but encouraging and supporting the engagement and participation in this election. Yeah. Um, yes. people getting educated and really, um, having those difficult conversations with people to uh, understand where their apathy might be coming from, where their fear might be coming from, and really engaging people in constructive and effective ways so that we all can get moving out of this space that we're in. Yeah, amen. Everybody vote, please. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, and by the way, voting is part of it. Voting yeah. is yeah. a very important part of it, but there's so much more. Yeah, yeah. You know, engagement. Um, engagement, civic engagement, social engagement, um, being getting informed, all of those kinds of things. So really you important. Never get tired because even if the, the desired outcome is happened, it's like, but we still need to continue on. Yeah, because if we rest, then nothing, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, AOC actually did a, a an Instagram live the other, I think after she spoke. Um, and at the whole beginning of it, she does a Q&A, but the whole beginning of it, she really talks about that. And she talks about it so beautifully and eloquently that as progressives and, um, you know, in this process that voting is a part of it. Yeah. It is absolutely a part of it. And I believe that all elections are urgent, particularly for those that are marginalized and those that are the most vulnerable in our culture. Every election is urgent as we continue to walk towards um, a more perfect union and safety and justice for all of us. Mm -hmm. um, but this election, it is not a joke. It is yeah. not a joke what we are on the precipice of if we don't get involved. And as we know, like this last election was won by such small margins. 
Um, so we need those margins to not be small so there is no discrepancy. Right. And yes. our, our, the vote is being messed with, tinkered with, and suppressed. So we must vote early. We must assist each of our fellows and friends in sorting out and understanding mm -hmm. how to do that. Yeah. Um, because of everything that's going on. Sorry, I get real sidetracked on that. That's okay. <laughs>
They're on point. I just, I just did an interview with uh, Aroxy and uh, Michelle, and I'm, you guys are always, always on point. With on point. Yeah. Um, okay. Is there a food or snack that you absolutely love that the majority of people will find absolutely disgusting? Example would be like black licorice. <laughs> That's my favorite thing in the world. Stand by. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh my God! Really? Do you what? like black licorice? What? Love black licorice. Stop. Can I tell you? This is my best treat in the world. This one, and there's one other brand that has been sold out since the pandemic. My favorite brand has been sold out since the pandemic. But I will, I will, I will also do Panda. Wow. I love me and my dad love black licorice. Really? Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> and now she's eating. Like, like example, black licorice. <laughs> I love I also, And I love olives. Oh, I love olives. Well, I'll eat a jar of olives. A, a whole jar of olives. I did last night before bed. My sister used to say, get off of me. You smell like olives. <laughs> I love olives. I think, I think oh mine, is, mine is like raw onions. I love eating raw. I don't know if people, majority of people find like that. Do you eat them with anything else? No, sometimes I just eat them on. I just love, I just Really? Love I did not know this about you. Look, it's all coming out. It's all coming out now. Oh my God, Black look at Blackish. <laughs> no, that, Black David wrote licorice. that. Black licorice. I am, I'm Black liquor. <laughs> um, mine is, I think, I don't think this is disgusting, but I love me a frozen burrito. Like I'll, I'll, wait, I'll. Wait, wait, like, but do you heat it up? Yeah, I heat it up because, yeah. <laughs> I and I'm, I'm, I started heating it up in my air fryer. That is a game changer. I'm having fun with my air fryer these days. You just days, got so. an air fryer. So I, I don't have it. an air fryer. I also don't have a rice cooker. I don't have a dishwasher. <laughs> I'm ridiculous. <laughs> okay, um, our final question is, we asked this to all our guests. Is there an underrepresented voice in the industry, film and TV, whether it's an actor, writer, producer, creator, that is not in the mainstream that you mm -hmm. think people need to know about and deserves more recognition. Oh. Yes, you did. Um, I'm going to start with MJ Rodriguez because yes. I think she deserved um, an Emmy nomination. Mm. And I want to tell you why. Okay, why'd you make me get this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're fine. I want to tell you why the character of Blanca is so important. First of all, her performance is exceptional. Mm. Um, the work that she does is incredibly mm. moving. And there's one scene when she's explaining to her youngest new son um, about um, HIV and using a condom. That scene will reverberate through my life forever. I just, the, the performance was pitch perfect um, and so moving. But she's redefining and changing our understanding of motherhood. And I'm grateful for it. Um, as a single, um, no child um, person, um, I mother all the time. And I am very mothering. I'm a nurturer. And the way that Blanca is changing that understanding for people is an example of the impact that television can have. Yeah because mm -hmm. it even has given me space and I am not completely mirrored in her experience. 
Yeah. But the essence of what she is expressing has changed um, even how I give myself space to name the way I mother. Um, so that is one. Um, Winuri, uh, I don't know why I can't think of her last name, but she's a director um, and a writer. I am working with her on something. She is exceptional. Um, I, I don't, I, it's one of those days, like names are yeah. escaping me, obviously. Yeah. Um, Gary Cole is the actor's name. I cannot think of it. There you go. <laughs> Ridiculous. So um, she did a TED talk called uh, about um, bubblegum something that is worth seeing. She's a writer director. One should watch out for her. I think she's incredible. Um, uh, obviously, Michaela Cole, um, but everybody yes. has her on our minds. But what she is doing with I May Destroy You is. Mm truly changing the way, similar to the way Atlanta changed how we looked at what you could do in a half an hour. Um, she's changing the way we look at storytelling, yeah. um, particularly around the subject matter that she's exploring, but also mm. how you utilize a lead character and how you do that and bring in the reality of what we're in right now is, is really, it's a dial click. Like it, there's, a, there's a real shift in what she's doing. Um, can't help it, gotta do it, because he's one of my favorite people in the world, but Kelvin uh, Harrison Jr. Yes, friend of the podcast. Yeah, I, um, I just think he, his work as an actor, what he's calling in, his ability to transform himself, his willingness to transform himself, his attention to the craft of acting, um, and the way it's coming through him, I just think is beautiful. I think he's physically beautiful, mm -hmm. um, but he has a depth to him for, um, you know, he's like a, a 50 year old, 26 year old. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. There's a thing that he's bringing through him um, that I just, I'm really moved by. So those are some of the top ones I yeah. thought of. Yeah, All great names, yeah. Yeah, great names. Like Kelvin is like this perfect intersection of charm and talent. Yes. It's, <laughs> it's like, come on, that's unfair. <laughs> but also craft and skill. Yeah. You know? Yes. He really, like I, I'm really good friends with him now. And so um, I know his process, like I, I worked with it when we worked together but now as his friend like i know i'm like i know what's going on i'll talk to you in a week like you're like mm -hmm. he's like diving in you know but he transforms his body his face like he just there's a, a a way that he loves what he does that um and i also find that i don't know i think there's a real um there's a courage that comes from this younger generation of actors that I am grateful for, um, where the, the, the lines of limitation around gender and all these different kinds of things just have a different meaning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think Obama said something about that last night, but it's true. It is. Like there's a way that this younger generation, like it, it's them, you know, they, yeah. they don't see, it's no big deal. It's like, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, Tracy, this conversation, I want to just continue this, con but you know, we all have meetings and- We've all got Zooms <laughs> to go to. We got Zooms and, and news to break and food to eat and licorice to eat. <laughs> ah, I've got to say, this is my last one and I don't want to eat it because I like it after dinner. <laughs> I have, I'm going to have to like hide it for myself. Yeah. 
black licorice again just because just because you no people hate it it's yeah. there's nothing there's not if you know you don't like it you don't need to try it yeah yeah buds do change like my taste buds have like i used to hate like broccoli now i love it like i can't get enough of broccoli well, and that's go. true that's, that's, that's true. true you listen to your body <laughs> in that way <laughs> Tracy, thank you so much. Like this is this is probably one of my favorite uh, uh, episodes. It's the best. Yeah. <laughs> thank thank you. you guys. This was really a great conversation. Yeah. yeah. And great. hopefully we'll all get to like Kiki and meet again soon in person. Oh, one day. <laughs> all right. Have a great thank you day. so much, Tracy. You too. Thank you so much. Bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.